Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to the episode of Hard Foul Radio. Appreciate you for tuning in today. Man, let's get into it. We had some good coffee. Another afternoon episode. Um, they keep pulling me into work too early. I got a 3.30 a.m. start time tomorrow. So, yeah, just a bunch of afternoon episodes this week, but it's cool. We're here. We're having a good time. Appreciate anyone that's tuning in, giving me part of your day. I appreciate your time. I don't take it for granted. Let's go, man. We have to start with Monday Night Football. Now, normally I would not start with a game like the Buccaneers versus the Giants. Uh, There wasn't a lot of contention going into it. There wasn't a lot of intrigue, per se, going into it because we all essentially knew Tampa Bay was going to win that game. It was just a matter of how much and how many touchdowns would Tom Brady throw. In it turned out that it ended up being um, a microcosm or an example of what week eight in the NFL was. Something about the NFL that always seems to be true, um, and for most sports it's true, uh, but Major League Baseball and NFL and and I'm sorry, Major League Baseball and the NBA, their seasons are too long to really hold them to this standard. Is we know who the good teams are and we know who the bad teams are. Tampa Bay, really good team. The Giants, not so much. And so when you know who's the good team and the bad team, it's pretty, and in the NFL, because it's only a 16-game season, every game does mean a lot more, usually your upsets of this caliber are few and far between. You get probably the best team in the NFC versus maybe the worst team in the NFC. You run this out, the best team wins this game 95 to 98% of the time. But with that being said, though, when you have, and you can clarify who's the good teams and who's the bad teams, you end up with throwaway weeks. Everybody's going to, every team is going to lose one, sometimes two games a year that they have no business losing. It just just happens. And when you have those weeks, in my opinion, you should just throw it out. Don't matter, hey. We either looked past them or we didn't have a great week of practice or whatever we did wasn't good enough, but we know we're betting them nine times out of ten, and now we got our attention. We're going to win those games. So let's not trip. Throw it out. Don't even, don't even worry about it. That happened a lot in week eight. What I mean, let's see. I don't know. If I go through and check out all of the scores from this week, Let's see. Okay. Vikings upset the Packers 28-22. Minnesota's not better than Green Bay. The Bengals beat the Titans 31-20. Cincinnati's not better than Tennessee. The Dolphins beat the Rams 28-17. Miami's not better than LA. The Raiders beat the Browns 16-6. A little more of a toss-up, but the Raiders aren't as good as the Browns are this year. And then the Giants competitively held in that game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The same way we can tell the teams that are good and the teams that are bad, the players know this, the coaches know this, this is no surprise to anyone. You're going to start having those games where you're looking over Tampa Bay, excuse me, Tampa Bay sees New York, and then they see the Saints right after it. There's more attention paid on the Saints. Kansas City had this where uh, they played the Chargers, and they did win that game, but 
They played probably their worst game of the season, even worse than they played in their Oakland loss because they had the Ravens coming up right after the Chargers and they were looking right past the Chargers. People are going to come out come out today and say, oh, this team lost here and this exposed that and these flaws over here and oh, maybe this team's better or this team's worse than we thought. No, none of it means much. There's just sometimes you get throwaway weeks. And when you get throwaway weeks, sometimes throwaway weeks stack on top of each other. Usually you get one game, uh, one team just is looking past, and that's the one shot game of the weekend. Uh, This weekend just happened to be a bunch of them. The Rams clearly weren't coming ready to play. The Packers were clearly looking past Minnesota. Tampa Bay was looking past New York. It happens. But they don't mean much. And to sit there and deep dive and think that you've figured out what's wrong or what's right with some of these teams, you'd be you'd just be delusional. Going from there, I didn't do <clears throat> a lot of World Series recap after the series is over. I think the series is kind of definitive. Um, the Dodgers had more players. The Dodgers can afford more players. Um, that's just how it is. I did, though... And I was laughing at this. There was a conversation that did come out of the World Series. And that was, is Mookie Betts now the best player in baseball? I like Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is a great player. Mookie Betts, you could argue, is a top five player. Mookie Betts has been clutch in every single postseason that he's been in. He has been, you could argue, the offensive catalyst for two of the last three World Series teams. The 2020 Dodgers and 2018 Red Sox. He's a 2018 AL MVP. I mean, there is a lot, a lot to like about Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts isn't the best player in baseball. Just let's take a deep breath. Sometimes you just have to sit there and not be a prisoner of the moment or a victim of the last thing you saw on television and really think to yourself, does that sound right? Mookie Betts had a great playoffs, great postseason run. We just watched them all in the World Series. And that got people to come out and say, oh, he's better than Trout now. Trout's never, Trout doesn't win, blah, blah, blah. Timeout. We talked yesterday how jealousy can show how great you are. They also can expose, what also can show how great you are is when people are trying their best to replace you. And it ain't easy to be replaced. When people try to replace you, and another telling stat or another telling tale of is when people compare you without realizing they're comparing you. And all all of you did that have come out this last week and said Mookie Betts is as good as Mike Trout, Mookie Betts is better than Trout. All you did was say, Oh yeah, Mike Trout is the LeBron James of baseball. LeBron James going into 2011 when he was with Miami. There was talks about his D. Rose next up. Were the Knicks and Melo getting to be just as good as him? The Spurs, although they didn't have an individual player, um, team-wise. There's even people that talked about, well, who's the best player on the Heat? Is it LeBron or is it Dwayne Wade? That's, that's, it's, it, stop, 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 stop. Like I said, I like Mookie Betts. 
And I'm not the numbers guy. I don't come on here to just slam everyone with numbers and to say, oh, this guy's got a 393 on base percentage. This guy's got a 643 slugging. And this guy's advancement. I don't do that. But sometimes numbers do have a purpose. Let me read off some numbers here for you guys. Okay. Mookie Betts' career high in home runs is 32. That's respectable. It's respectable. In five, Mike Trout's played eight full seasons. I'm not counting this season, the full season, only 60 games. He's played eight full seasons. In five of them, he's hit more than 32 home runs. Okay. Mookie Betts' career high in stolen bases is 30. That's good. That's really good. Mike Trout's done that and more three times. Doesn't run as much. That's fair. Mookie's probably a better... Is more, If you ask me who's going to steal more bases next year, I'd, get, I'd give that to Mookie. Mike Trout doesn't run as nearly as much. Um, only had one stolen base in 2020. Once again, short season, but still only one stolen base in 60 games. Mookie bets on base percentage. Career high. Not even just career high. Mookie Betts has gone over 400 once. Mike Trout's career on base percentage is 418. Mookie Betts slugging. He's gone over 600 once. Once. His MVP season. 640. That's great. Mike Trout... Four, last four seasons, over 600 slugging. Career, 582. For context, Moogie's career slugging is 522. Now, Mike Trout doesn't have a gold glove, but we all recognize Mike Trout to be a great center fielder. Mike Trout doesn't have a World Series or even a playoff series win. But... Baseball works so uniquely different than every other sport. Well, this isn't basketball and one guy can carry you. This isn't football where the quarterback can carry you. Baseball, there are so many factors. Mike Trout, as great as he is, could get walked three times in a ball, never go to center field. He has no impact on the game. Put Mike Trout on any playoff team this year, he's the difference of when they go home. Put Mike Trout on Tampa Bay, he wins the World Series for them. Put Mike Trout in L.A., the other L.A. He's probably regular season MVP, World Series MVP. The, be the, best, the best way to put it, put Mike Trout and Mookie Betts in the same outfield. Put them in the same batting lineup. Day by day. And if you watch them, if you watch them day by day by day, there's no way you would say Mookie Betts is a better player than Mike Trout. If Mookie Betts had to line up next to Mike Trout every day, he would go, damn, this guy's good. Mookie Betts just had a great playoff run. Mookie Betts was just all over TV, got the national audience attention, even with baseball's low ratings. He's a guy that baseball should promote. But he's not better than Mike Trout. 
Man, it's Tuesday. Like I said, I'd be up at 3.30 a.m. I'd be at work at 3.30 Wednesday morning. So there will be another Wednesday morning afternoon episode. Um, still a lot to get to here, you guys. I'm going to tell you why the Patriots should not be so concerned. There's a lot of doom and gloom about, oh, my gosh, they let Brady go early. And what is Bill doing? Um, and obviously, I have four straight losses. I'm going to tell you, though, it's okay if you are a Patriots fan listening. Trust me. We've seen this before. And I have the Patriots coming out on the better end of this. Um, also, is Deshaun Watson as good as we thought he was? That and more coming up. This is Hard Foul Radio. We'll be back momentarily. Welcome back. This is Hard Foul Radio. <clears throat> Trying to work on a new uh, interlude song for you guys. Uh, hopefully get that out soon. Uh, I know probably the one. I've, I've had that one forever. Uh, it's not great, but it works. So that's where we're at with it. And I'm trying to work on a new one, though. So let's discuss this before we get into our power rankings. So the NFL trade deadline is today. And at the time of recording, it's not officially over yet um so maybe this changes by the time i'm done with this episode but out of all the teams that were thought to be in trade rumors or uh thought to be buyers or thought to be sellers at the deadline the trade that the team that only was brought up enough and a specific position enough especially after sunday is the 49ers you guys know how high I think with the 49ers. I had them as the top five team coming into this. They were obviously a Super Bowl runner-up last year. Um, this is the NFL. Shit moves fast. Uh, you go from Super Bowl runner-up to now we're not sure how we think of them. They've obviously had an immense amount of injuries. Um, but they've also just been not as good at several positions compared to where they were last year. One of those positions is quarterback. I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo hater. I'm also not the biggest Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I think he's good, not great. Uh, that roster is talented enough for him to win. Everyone being healthy and everyone doing, everyone doing their job. They have enough talent, and that roster could win 11, 12 games to me. But now we've had more instances of Jimmy Garoppolo being inconsistent. He's injured and hurt again. And now the 49ers, who specifically designed his contract to be, we're going to pay a lot of money up front. Everybody's mad. Oh my gosh, Jimmy Garoppolo's only played like five games and he's getting all this money. But they gave him a lot of his money up front. Now have the option that if they decide to move off him, and yes, financially, they can not only move off him via trade, 
they could move off him via release and it will not hurt as much as you think. Go look up his contract. They could move the 49ers could release Jimmy Garoppolo today. And they will not be in a they will not be hit as hard on the cap as the general public believes. So if you're San Francisco, why not go after one of these quarterbacks we know are good, but don't have the talent per se around them? Like, why is San Francisco not knocking on Detroit's door saying, hey, how do you guys feel about your season? How do you guys feel about getting rid of Matt Stafford? Why are they not knocking on, um, and we'll get to them later too, why are you not even if he just re-signed, why not go to Houston and say, hey, you guys are 1-6. Why do you guys need Deshaun Watson? That one's probably more of a stretch, but you get what I'm saying. Why not if you're San Francisco, the most obvious choice, why would you not call Arthur Blanks and say, hey, you're paying Matt Ryan a lot of money. You notice you guys haven't been very good since you went to the Super Bowl? Who was Matt Ryan's offensive coordinator the right year they went to the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Kyle Shanahan. What was Matt Ryan's most successful year? Oh, yeah, that's right. When he was with Kyle Shanahan. What's Kyle Shanahan's most successful year? Oh, yeah, that's right. When he was with Matt Ryan. Doesn't this just seem like the perfect fit? Atlanta, you got to rebuild. Atlanta, you got to. You just have to be honest with yourself and say, hey, Matt Ryan's probably not the guy. Well, he's their franchise's best quarterback ever, and that's great. He's not the guy that's going to keep doing it for us. He's older. He has clearly regressed. Whether you think that's coaching or physical ability, that's up for debate. San Francisco, you could give, what? Do you really care about your first-round pick the next two years? Do you really care about your second-round pick the next two years? If you go give... Atlanta, a first <clears throat> or two seconds, you think they want to give up Matt Ryan? And then you have Matt Ryan surrounded by this roster and back with his head coach who he had the most success with as an offensive coordinator? Am I crazy here? This sounds like the most logical fit you could possibly have for a team that needs a trade to help rebuild and a team that needs a trade to get a little bit better because they think they are genuinely in contention this year. 49ers, it makes all the sense in the world. Go get Matt Ryan. And this probably doesn't happen um, for a multitude of reasons, but this is my number one target in the offseason. If I'm the 49ers, I'm calling Detroit if they don't make the playoffs. I'm calling Atlanta if they don't make the playoffs. I'm calling every team that I think has a quarterback that is valuable or has value, or is good, and is just with a lower tier roster than what I have in San Francisco. Calling all you guys this offseason, because Jimmy Garoppolo being hurt again, again not playing well, this roster is too good, and I I believe John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are very much of the belief this is a window thing, and you have your window now, before you got to start paying a lot more of these guys. Take advantage. Now we move in. It is Tuesday, so with every Tuesday comes our official power rankings. We only do five here because we're only worried about the best of the best. This is, and I'm going to get a, 
I'm going to get a fancy word to describe my power rankings, like a little catchy phrase, but I don't have it yet. So this is just who I think is the best right now. Our hard foul NFL top five power rankings. Let's go. Number five, Tennessee. I know Tennessee just lost to Cincinnati, uh, which wasn't a good look, uh, but I believe that's looking past. They're looking past Cincinnati. They're looking forward to Indianapolis. Um, this is still the best team to me that just knows who they are and what they are, which is run the ball, play action, play good defense. Uh, they don't have a great pass rush, which is a little concerning as far as the next four teams above them. You really want to get after the quarterback. And the end goal in the AFC is to get after the quarterback, to get after Patrick Mahomes, to get after Lamar Jackson. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think it hurts them as much in their own division because their division's not exactly filled with, well, Jacksonville, who knows what the QB situation is going to look like. Uh, Deshaun Watson is, yes, mobile, but I think depressed because the Texans are that bad. And Phillip Rivers is a statue. So I don't think their pass rush hurts them in their own division. They also have uniquely probably the biggest wild card in terms of one game playoff, uh, the ability to win against anyone. And it's it's odd in a league of passing offense and receivers and all these explosive plays. Uh, the NFL set record for scoring that Derrick Henry being able to chew the clock and run the ball for legitimately 150 to 200 yards in a single game, which allows Ryan Tannehill to be a play action quarterback in which you could argue he's one of the top three right now in terms of statistically he's number one, but you could argue he's top three play action quarterback right now. Um, <clears throat> they know who they are, run the ball, play action in one game scenario. That's really dangerous. Uh, Asked Baltimore last year. Uh, so Tennessee is my number five. Number four is still the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, let's be honest here. So, <clears throat> excuse me, people are going to freak out and say, oh, well, they just lost to Pittsburgh and Lamar's not playing as well and blah, 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 blah. Their two losses, let's be very clear here, the teams are 14-1. and one. That's who beats the Ravens. 14 and 1. Fun fact 14 and 1 beats a lot of people. Yes. Did Lamar have an off game? Yes. But how many games do you think the rest of the year, the Ravens getting 260 yards on the ground, the Ravens dominating the line of scrimmage, how many of those games do you see them losing the rest of the year? The Ravens are fine. Yes. Lamar's decision-making can be a problem. Uh, it's something that I, if you have to believe in their coaching staff and um, Greg Cosell, and not Greg Cosell, I'm sorry, Greg Roman and uh, John Harbaugh, that they will sit down with him and let him know, hey, we get what you're trying to do, but this is what we need to do. Um, this, this team's fine. It's still a stacked roster top to bottom. Uh, defensively, they're still great. Like I said, they dominated Pittsburgh at the line of scrimmage. It was just two really bad turnovers. If they get Lamar to cut down on his turnovers, which I believe this coaching staff will, um, this should still be theoretically the second best team in the AFC and a top four team in football. Number three, my lone NFC representative for the third consecutive week, uh, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like this team defensively. They're better than we gave them credit for. Um, offensively, while they've been hurt, Brady is showing you that he is still Tom Brady. Uh, 
which is still a top five quarterback. Um, when they get healthy, the idea that fully healthy they could have Gronk, Fournette, Jones. Oh, yeah, by the way, our three receiver set is Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And the offensive line's playing. It's This is, I said at the beginning, it's my boomer bust team. And they have hit the boom. They keep going the way they're going. This is not just the best team in the NFC. This is legitimately the one team right now that could challenge Kansas City, that could play Kansas City, especially if it's a neutral field. And I'm not saying Kansas City's the favorite. That's how good Tampa Bay is right now. And I think they're going to show it. And I think they go, I think they play the Saints in Tampa Bay. And I think they roll them. Number two, we got to give it to them. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're 7-0. This is the least convincing 7-0 team maybe ever. Uh, They don't really dominate teams. They just keep kind of winning games. Um, Defensively, they're stacked. Um, The front seven, Mika Fitzpatrick, like this defense is legit as all hell. Uh, I question the offense. There's not a lot of big plays. Ben's not making mistakes, which is their one saving grace right now. They don't turn the ball over. They do have, like I said, um, if you are an advanced metrics person, they don't come off that great to you because what they call turnover worthy plays, they do have a lot of those, even though they're not getting converted on them. Um, and defensively, you can run on them. Baltimore ran for 250 yards. Not every team is Baltimore, but the Titans ran on them. The Ravens ran on them. You can run on this defense. Um, They're still really good, really solid, but they are starting to show some cracks. And like I said, if some of these turnovers start to get converted on, then I don't think they look like a 7-0 pristine team. They look more like a solid, good 10-11, good defense, overall good roster. And at number one, it's, it's the Chiefs. This is come take the spot for me. Mahomes, this defense is playing while they've had lesser competition, you could argue. They played great. They play very much to their quarterback, which is they play a turnover style of defense where, if you remember the Colts in the 2000s, they wouldn't necessarily, they weren't stopping people in terms of, oh, just getting stop after stop after stop, but they could cause turnovers, they could cause havoc, and when you had Peyton Manning on the other side, and you knew, okay, we're getting 25, 30 points. It helps. And you can play defense a certain way. When you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side, you know you can play defense a certain way. Mahomes has 20 touchdowns, one interception. I mean, there's just not – they're the Chiefs, man. They're just they're just great right now. Uh, so they, they got to be number one team. It's come take the spot from – I don't take much from that loss to Oakland. Um, Yeah. No, it's their, it's, it's their spot to lose. So the Chiefs come in at number one again. I don't like the Chiefs, but you got to give credit where credit is due. All right. And with that, on the other side of the break, I will let you guys know about some discouraging Deshaun Watson comments and the way we always end Heart of Our Radio. Something only I would understand. We'll be back momentarily. This is Heart of Our Radio.
Sorry there, I think I just... If you're wearing headphones, I you just got a... Uh, <laughs> um, a nice little sound... So, sound raise. Sound spike. Sound spike. That sounds smarter. So... <clears throat> I love Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson is a great quarterback who has lifted below average Texans teams... Um, he's gotten them to the playoffs. I think he's had to work with a less than stellar head coach general manager situation. Um, talent outside of DeAndre Hopkins around him during his career has been so-so. And yeah, so I think he's had to overcome a lot. He's had to work with far less than other guys. And I think he has still showed out and played at a level that, that deems him the spot of being one of the better quarterbacks in the league. That's always been my stance on him. I now have to rethink my stance. Everybody this weekend, one of the biggest takeaways was, is Carson Wentz good anymore? Like, is Carson Wentz, like, is he a, not, is he an elite QB? Not, is he a great quarterback? Like, is he even just good? All the turnovers, leads the league in interceptions, just doesn't look like he has command of the offense. I mean, just looks like a subpar quarterback. If you didn't have a resume behind him, you just watched Carson Wentz the last couple weeks, you would think, You're, that, that's the starting quarterback? That's the quarterback of a division-leading team? Now, Carson Wentz, there's a conversation that will follow him the rest of his career which is the Super Bowl conversation between him and Nick Foles. Uh, Nick Foles obviously stepped in when Carson Wentz got injured and won the Super Bowl. And that's a convo that is always going to follow him. Could he have also won that game? Would they have been better off with Nick Foles? Uh, that will follow Carson Wentz's entire career. Deshaun Watson doesn't have that storyline with him. But Deshaun Watson is 1-6. Now, you could tell me that, okay, well, part of that is... They had a bad head coach. Bill O'Brien was not was not the guy. Okay. I, I, I'm not going to argue with you. Bill O'Brien might not be the guy. But if you are going to kill Carson Wentz for underperforming, don't we have to say the same about Deshaun Watson? I mean, think of the other guys we put in his class in terms of his age group and talent and that level of quarterback. Who else do you think is going one and six? Carson Wentz, to his credit, he's not one and six. Mahomes, obviously, same draft class. He's not one and six. Who is? I'm a Bronco fan. Drew Locke's not one and six. I just want to know, Justin Herbert, we're, we're feeling bad for him, but Justin Herbert, even though his team has the same record, I'm sorry, not, not the same record, but he has, he has one win in his first six starts, he's one in five in his first six career starts, we acknowledge the way he's playing is better than what we're seeing out of Deshaun Watson. So where, what quarterback... Dak's never been one in six. 
just naming off more guys that are in his age class, his age group, in his that around his tier or his peers. I think even now that I say it, I think Herbert's a great example because we gave Deshaun Watson a lot of credit because he was putting up numbers even though the Texans weren't very good as a rookie. And we thought, oh, this is going to work in the future. Like, they found their guy. But we wouldn't acknowledge Justin Herbert as being a great quarterback if in year five and six, he's one and six again. Listen. I really, 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 really like Deshaun Watson. I've been very high on him for a bunch of years, even coming out of the draft, uh, even though he was not considered to be the best quarterback in his class. But we have to really start thinking about who in his situation would go one and six. I don't think Dak would have the Cowboys at one and six. And that's with multiple injuries and a change in head coach. Oh, that's just like Deshaun Watson. Multiple injuries, change of head coach. I'm just asking the questions, you guys. I don't I, I, I really like Deshaun Watson. I don't want to come on here and, and shit on Deshaun and say like, oh, he's not a great quarterback or oh he's not a franchise quarterback. But I think we do have to start asking the question how good is he? Is he the guy? And, excuse me, how, what tier or what category should we put him in? How many guys do you know going one and six? Now, we got to end today's show as we always do, with something only I would understand. Once again, other people may understand it. This is just the way my brain gets to it. We have spent a lot of time, media people, um, myself included to a degree, that have been dragging the Patriots. Now, I have a rule of thumb that I've stressed on this show many, many times. I don't bet against Tom Brady. I don't bet against Bill Belichick. I just don't. They've been great my whole life. Um, I've been burned betting against them before, and I just won't do it again. But there's a lot of people coming out and picking sides saying, Tom Brady won. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick split up, and Tom Brady won. The Bucks look like one of the best teams in the NFL, maybe the best team in the NFC, and the Patriots have lost four straight games. People are killing Bill. Just killing him. And Bill even comes out this week and says, Hey, man. We used all our cap space. We've signed these guys. We don't got a lot of room. We signed Cam Newton for a million dollars. We didn't have money. What do you want us to do? Okay. We do understand, though, that we've seen this before. Right? Two Hall of Fame, maybe the greatest ever at their position, can't get along anymore. Go separate ways. Who wins? And who won? Well, if I told you that the 04 Lakers, when Shaq left after them losing, 
would go on to win a title two years later in Miami through 2006, Shaq was the winner of that divorce. How could the Lakers let him go? He's still dominant. He's still the best big man in the league. He's still, I mean, he's still a top three player, top five player. Like, how could you let Shaquille O'Neal go? And you kept Kobe Bryant? Yeah, Kobe's scoring points, but what does that mean? They're losing games. And then we let this real funny thing happen, which is called let time keep going because it has to. And then the Lakers trade for Pau Gasol, and then they get Ron Artest and Lamar Odom and Andrew Bynum, and now the Lakers have back-to-back titles. And during the time that they're winning titles, and they go they go to three straight NBA finals, win two of them, Shaq is bouncing from team to team that just thinks, all right, Shaq still got it at 35 years old. He's going to be the difference maker we need this year. Ask LeBron how that went for him. Ask the Celtics how that went for them. You can win a trade or a divorce in the short term. Maybe right after you bounce back, you're going on dates. People are uh, people that found you attractive but wouldn't say anything because you're married. Now they're coming up talking to you when you're having a great old time. And maybe the other person, not only does it divorce, maybe there's something that happens at their job and they start to unravel a bit. And it's a rough couple years post the divorce. Then they start to pick themselves up, get a better job, meet a better partner, start getting their life back together. The other person plateaus. Had a great first six months, a year right after the divorce. Ooh, I'm free. And then they thought, what do I do now? The reason why Patriots fans shouldn't be concerned about the immediate success of Tom Brady in Tampa is because of one major, major thing, and that's called time. And Tom Brady, we keep talking about him in the the fight against Father Time, and he looks great right now. 43 years old, best 43-year-old quarterback we've ever seen play the game of football. Short list, but he's the best at it. Tom... Looks great right now. And Tom wants to play till he's 45. But remember, let's let's even give let's give Tom Brady the let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say not only he makes it to 45, maybe Tom makes it to 47. I don't see that being the case. But let's say Tom gets to 47. He's just that good. Okay. Bill Belichick, we understand, can coach for another 10 to 15 years, right? So what if Tom Brady gets the first two years after the divorce and he looks great and everything seems to be going his way? What if Bill gets the eight after? What if the Patriots stink up this season, get a Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence, and then they're great for another decade plus? Tom can't play as long as Bill wants to coach. When the Lakers made a decision, yeah, Shaq's the better player right now. Yeah, Shaq's still this dominant, but Shaq's not going to play as long as Kobe does. The Lakers kept Kobe over Shaq. They lost short-term, one long-term. Patriots fans, you're losing short-term, which maybe you need it. You've had 20 years of nothing but success. You know, lose a couple games, gain some humility. I don't know. But you got the next 10-plus years with Bill. And if Bill finds his quarterback and he makes it work, 
That's a better long-term solution than going with 43-plus-year-old Tom Brady. Hey, man, like I said, it's a bunch of afternoon episodes this week. Um, work schedule is just, it's just a bunch of going in early, so this is what we got to do. I appreciate everybody that is tuned in to this episode. Anyone that gave me some of their time, I appreciate you, appreciate you, appreciate you. Just drop my phone like a real professional. Um, shout out to the Gutted Cigar. I'm doing an interview on his IG Live on Thursday at 8 o'clock. Uh, go tune in for that. That's going to be super cool, super dope. And I'm going to catch you guys next time. Appreciate it for your time.